Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48 in the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. This is episode seven in a mini-series. So if you've not listened to the other six episodes, um, which goes back to the title, um, What's Wrong With Being Right? I encourage you to do so, so you'll have some context. Now, I'd like you to focus in on today's episode, entitled The Beginning. I want you to use that amazing imagination that God's given you and close your eyes. We're going to go back a few hundred years. She didn't make a sound, for breathing would have been a kiss of death. She pulled the infant out of the crib who was wearing a red crimson ring. She crept away and hid in the shadows. The voices that came from the sea of humanity seemed anything but human. They held torches, sickles, and pitchforks as they stormed the castle. The king, queen, and entire court was mercilessly massacred, beheaded. The young girl could just watch in horror, and the baby was silent. She, however, knew her way around the castle, unlike the mob, and winded her way through the secret passages to an awaiting rowboat in the underground caverns. She navigated the boat like a ghost, picking up and placing the oar in the water with barely a ripple, letting the river guide her into the night as the castle above her burned like a red scorching sun. She headed down the river through the Romanian Carpathian Mountains, away from the Transylvanian Alps, where the castle stood for centuries. She dared not stop, for the land was full of wild beasts although from what she just witnessed, they were far less a threat than the creatures who butchered those in the castle. She held the baby close, no tears. It was brutally cold, yet the river was flowing with enough force the ice could not yet form. The baby didn't shiver at all, but she did, and she was holding the baby for warmth. She closed her eyes, not intending to sleep, but the night had other ideas. She awoke. The little boat was now being tossed about in white water. Jagged rocks reached out like swords ready to slice her life away. She held on to the baby and the boat for dear life. Many times it seems that they would capsize and that they would drown, but it was like a mystical force held them in the boat, almost defying gravity. The morning came. She cleared the gorge they cut through the mountains. Weary, battered, broken, and torn, she had made it through what no mariner this time of year would dare to attempt. They would float for days, no food, a river of water which they had only no choice but to drink, and she now is in a strange land, far from where she grew up, no longer even in the same country. As she came around the bend, she would have to land the boat, and go afoot, although she had no idea where she was going. A woman of this kingdom saw her, brought her and the baby to the castle. The woman was the daughter of the king, who had been barren, and this child seemed to be a gift from the gods to her. The young woman was summoned to meet the king and queen, and she shared her story. 
the king who was no friend of the murdered monarch, felt still pity and agreed that the child would be raised in their care and that this young girl would be given the favor of the court. As the boy got older, his skill of in with instruments of war was noticed by the king. He taught him all he knew about battles and the art of war. The young man had grown into quite the warrior. He was feared and respected by all the kingdom. In Romania, however, the mob was in charge, and its peoples were held in the tyrannical grip of its power. The new leader was there that night when the castle fell, and he had his lustful eyes upon the kingdom to the west, and planned to take it as he would a maiden by force. The warrior came to the king. You seem troubled. It will just be a matter of time. Our enemies getting stronger and bolder. They come closer and closer to our borders, daring us to do battle. I do not have the forces to protect this country, said the king. The warrior spoke. As you know, my blood is not yours. I have Romanian blood, and further, I am the rightful king of Romania. My people, there needs to be a leader to end this reign of terror, and I will lead them. We must not wait. We must attack first, but not directly. And the warrior shared his plan with the king. The king, who now had treated the warrior as if a son, agreed. The warrior then went out on his own. He appeared in a village on the border. Those from older times recognized the ring, and then the younger men gathered. When the warrior spoke, his words set fearful men's hearts ablaze with courage and village by village his army grew, and they slaughtered those who stood against them. The men were so fierce that those who fought against them literally melted away in terror. No one escaped to warn the king. In a matter of days, entire regions were falling, and this great army swelled in numbers. Soon over half the country had been taken. The number left dead was so massive it, it could not be counted. The Romanian king, however, had amassed his forces and sent them to destroy the kingdom to the west. By the time the king heard of the approaching army, his remaining forces stood no chance. The king of Romania barricaded himself in the castle. This was his last remaining forces guarding the perimeter. The young warrior and his army stormed the castle, and when the battle ended, the king knelt before him, asking for mercy, not knowing who just conquered him. The king then saw the crimson ring. By this time, the warrior's heart was black as the night sky. His eyes burned with the fire of a scorched sun, and he severed the king's head, and his headless corpse fell to the ground. The people hailed him as king, and he would rule the land, and the rightful king was now on his throne. In a few days, a young woman, who was the one who brought him safety when he was just an infant, and who strangely hadn't aged, arrived with an urgent message. The castle to the west was under siege. Many had fought valiantly, but were dead, to include the king, the queen, and all the court. The new king of Romania gave the order and rode with them into the country, destroyed all that was left of the enemy. Both countries now held him as their king, and his kingdom was firmly established, for this is how it began. John Elton looked down 
at Washington, D.C. City Lights. The plane landed, taxied in, and he disembarked with a black limousine waiting to pick him up. Good evening, Mr. Elton. Good evening, James. Is everything prepared as we discussed? Of course. Mr. Elton, they'll be expecting you. James dropped off John at the penthouse, and soon he was overlooking D.C. from his balcony. He had laser precision vision and watched the people walking by. So much, he was so much like a giant spider watching its prey soon come into its webbing. There was a sea of people. He looked at the man in the corner. He liked him. He'd given his life over to lust. He was carrying STDs, but he didn't care if he was the dealer. A woman walked by determined to break anyone's heart, whether male or female, because of what was done to her. There was someone so depressed they were thinking about suicide. And there's the power broker willing to sell their souls to, to the highest bidder. Then there was the young man headed to what he thinks is a meth deal, but it's laced with enough fentanyl to bring down a horse. The truth is he already had their souls, most all of them, except for the ones that had his spirit, but he would deal with them later. See, that is the way it is with sin. It is so predictable, not to the one caught by it. It's fun and alluring and enticing, but it always ends up the same way, no matter how much you dress it up, justify it up, cultural it up, legalize it up, educate it up, and even religionalize it up. It leads to death. These humans think that they want to be independent, thought John Elton. They want to be masters of their own destiny. He loves watching their ships hit the reefs because of the siren of sin's song. The truth was, though, they wanted to be led by someone who understood what lawlessness and rebellion is all about, for that was what was in their hearts. They really were no different than any people in history. They just were more clever in sugarcoating their sin. As John said before, he was not in this country when he first spoke to William, for his home was in Romania, and that was centuries ago. And on his finger was a red crimson ring. It occurred to me in this miniseries I had no backstory for John Elton other than being Lucifer. And then I remembered many who study ecstatology believe that the Antichrist would come from Rome, given the city with seven hill reference. So I did some reading on Romania and discovered its connection to ancient Rome. Probably more than any other city that exists today except Rome. Hence our protagonist comes from that country. For those of you who are looking for a hero or villain, back then it was a brutal time. Those lines were blurred and war was a way of life. This wasn't Hollywood. This is quite the contrast to the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke about. It's important to realize that at the time of Christ, Rome ruled with an iron fist. No country could destroy it, for it was too mighty of an empire. A Rome-like war machine would come into power again in the last days. And for all of us who read to the end of the book, the kingdom of God will win. But until then, the Antichrist will have his time, although limited. The gospel message is this. The best the world can offer you is a blurred picture of villains and heroes. Scripture is clear, the lines between Lucifer and Jesus. 
One comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. And the other comes to save us from ourselves and give us life abundant. Which will you choose? Jesus gave his life for your sins, for your salvation. In the next episode is the mystery revealed. You now know who the Antichrist is. And soon the world will know.